This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. From time to time, we're going to catch up with the people who have shared their story on the show. Last time we caught up with Jackie Middleton, she had temporarily closed all Earl Canteen sites and was running a takeaway model from her catering arm. With the industry allowed to trade again, they've reopened. Jackie, how are you going? I'm well. I'm good. It's um, such a strange time. As we are just saying, Like I really have to remind myself about what's happened in the last three months and what... Um, what the reality is now, what the reality was then. I feel like I was really manic when I spoke to you last. I'm hoping I'm sounding a bit calmer. I'm feeling a bit calmer. (laughs) That's good to hear. (laughs) I don't remember you being manic. I remember you being quite incredible and, um, you know, with a really raw and honest sort of story to tell because it was very early on in the pandemic that we spoke to you. Oh, it was, yeah, it was really early on. And actually listening back to it and talking to you know, my sister and work colleagues that know me really well are saying, you know, listen to this and, you know, tell me afterwards once you've listened, can you hear the bits when I was putting my hands on my head so I was trying not to cry and my voice was going shaky and people were like, oh, yeah, I could hear that in your voice. And I was like, oh. Well, let's have a look at what's happened since then. That was, you know, you um, were forced into closure and you were doing a takeaway model from the catering um, of your business. Um, what, what's happened over the last two months? Yeah, well, we 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 forced into close, and I think that's the best way to put it because it was a really simple decision. Like, if there's no customers, you can't be open, right? It just doesn't make any sense, and that's very pure hospitality. Like, if you don't have customers, you don't open. Where now it's really complicated, and if only you know, it was as simple as that now. So what's effectively happened since the beginning of April? So, you know, um, a month and a half, is it a month and a half or is it two and a half months? I don't know. <laughs> Again, who knows what the dates are. Um, we closed and we traded fairly strongly for takeaway for the first few months, uh, for the first few weeks, I felt, um, leading up to Easter. Easter was really busy for us, which was really good. And I thought, oh, you know, we might have a really exciting new business model here. It's something that um, I guess it kind of always lingered in the back of my mind. You know, I pay rent at multiple sites across the city and then these people are wandering off somewhere and going to the, you know, the express supermarkets in the city and picking up their milk or their you know, other basics to take home, why couldn't I sell them those things? And it's always in the back of my mind that that could be something that my business could do. And we gave it a red hot go with this Earl at Home delivery model. And I think, you know, a lot of people have really loved it. And I felt really complimented that we've, you know, there's some people that we've delivered to like a dozen times, um, which is really, really lovely that they love my meatballs or my hummus or my, you know, my just simple things so much. And I'm really grateful that they've done that and it's really helped us keep going. Um, But as I think, you know, we, as I think I said at the time back in April that we were quick to be able to do this because we had already had so many, you know, things at our resource. So we already had a kitchen and delivery drivers and an e-commerce website. So we could adapt really quickly where lots of other people, you know, my, um, 
you know, my past being in restaurants, these people it took a lot longer for them to catch up. And then obviously they had a really cool story to tell too and I've supported them as well. But a lot of the restaurants doing delivery um, really took away some of the action that was getting from my business. So we've really found Earl at Home has trickled off again um, in the last really month. And without, you know, without really pushing the agenda with, you know, with Instagram and without doing sponsored posts constantly and that type of stuff, it's just really trickled out of reality. Um, but that's okay because we've started to reopen stores, um, which has kind of taken out attention away from um, this anyway. So technically we only had one store that we really, really required to close because Emporium Shopping Centre actually closed for a week and a half or two weeks, so we couldn't trade it from there at all. Um, we could have technically traded takeaway at all the other sites, but it was really pointless because there was no customers in the city because they're all working from home as they should be. Um, so, look, we've started to reopen some sites because Simon has been diligently doing laps around the city, noticing that more and more people seem to be coming back and getting excited about that. So, and we've got, you know, we had 25 or a bit more um, job keepers, all of our engaged staff that have just been sitting on their couches. And we really feel really proud that we could, you know, help so many people and, you know, be a part of that. And we wanted to keep them busy. So we've been doing lots of different training sessions. So we had one of our stores open just doing free coffees for, you know, odd days here and there over the last few months with staff going in and doing, you know, new barista training with our, one of our store managers. That's our coffee trainer. Um, you know, and we just open the doors and say, if you want to come in and get a coffee, we're pleased to be making you a coffee um, and do training. So we've done staff training. We've done staff training coffee, done staff training with food safety, of course. I've done staff training with customer focus, you know, um, just Simon just talking to our teams about um, what makes good customer service, how to be um, responsive, how to be, you know, just the stuff that, we probably would not have had otherwise had the chance to um, talk to the teams about in a really detailed way. So we've taken the chance to do that. We've, you know, I've been busy looking at recipes that have evolved over 10 years and asking, why do we even do it like that? You know, can we do it better? Can we be smarter? Um, and we've, you know, revisited how to, how we make components of sandwiches, how we make components of salads and revisited the business model in general as well to reopen um, and to reopen has been a challenge in itself to rethinking the business because if we're trading and um, if we're trading as open, we really have a model that works as a busy model, not as a trading at fifteen percent, which is what we are this last week. So last week was fifteen. Last week's take for us as a group with all stores open was actually fifteen percent of what our take would have been in February for a week. How sustainable is that? <laughs> um, it's sustainable as long as the government's paying for our staff. Um, so JobKeeper is the only reason why we can open and we're incredibly grateful for that. We do have quite a few visa staff that we've been supporting through this turndown as well that can't get JobKeeper that we're giving odd shifts to um, and supporting in many ways that we can. But, yeah, it's not sustainable. It's We want to be in the city if our customers are in the city. Um, call us greedy, but we don't want our customers going to other cafes just because we're not open. Um, if, you know, the cost is to us that we have some food waste or if we have, um, if we have to make sacrifices and rethinking the business model and, um, 
to do that than we will and we have just to get people open. And our, our teams are so excited to be there. I just, um, you know, I'm, I'm so pleased that we can do that. What's, uh, what, do you, what role do you think government needs to play, you know, in regards to that support moving forward to ensure the um, viability of restaurants? You know, there's been sort of September earmarked to stop um, JobKeeper, but do you, how far forward do you think it needs to be? In- I'm not sure. I wish I had a crystal ball to work out when people are actually going to be back. So half of my stores, uh, four out of the six stores at the moment, are operating mostly in common dining spaces. So in Victoria, we still don't have a date when food courts will be reopened. So, um, you know, for example, Collins Place, which is typically my busiest um, store, is has no seats so if you're going to come and buy a coffee or a salad or a sandwich at the moment you have to take it to your desk to sit down and eat because there's nowhere that you can sit down because we only have common seating um where emporium has a cute little seating space that fits you know about 12 bums typically and at the moment i think we're taking six bums um because we've got quite a big open space around us um <laughs> You know, and that's actually trading okay, better than some of the other stores, just because there is a spot where you can sit down and have a coffee and a real cup. Um, I I hope that I don't need that much government assistance after JobKeeper finishes, because I hope that most people are back. I guess the biggest help that government can give me at the moment is tell people that they're allowed to go back to their office if they want to, because at the moment they've been told that they can't, that they shouldn't. So, you know, lots of people I know, my friends, they all just want to get back to work. Their kids are now finally back at school. Thank goodness for that. Um, <laughs> yep. the, you know, the kids are back at school, so let's get people kind of back to work. I feel like it's it's really safe. Um, it's really um, – I think people are enthusiastic to getting back to some reality and I really would like the government to let everyone to – try getting back to that type of reality I feel it's edging and I'm hoping there's going to be some announcements in the coming weeks to say that you can go back to that if you're feeling comfortable if if you want to and then let those companies actually have honest conversations with their staff to get them back into offices because that's what's going to affect my business the most. What surprised you about the reopening process? Um, I'm surprised it's everyone's as happy to not come back to the city as they were. I really thought that as soon as um, people were told that they could sit in restaurants again and could sit in cafes again, they would. Um, I feel like everyone's been very cautious about that and I don't know where that shyness has come from. I really thought there would be, you know, woohoo, you know, queues at the door of a cafe to, you know, count the heads in and out. I don't see that. Um, I haven't eaten out enough at restaurants again yet to to know um, for myself. I wish I could have, but the reality of being on JobKeeper myself means that, you know, me and a lot of other people are probably not going out as much as we'd like to. Um, so I have to be really realistic about that personally myself. Um, surprising that we have to be as adaptable and that we can be as adaptable, I guess. I'm really pleased to see so many restaurants just really rethinking what the model can be for them um, and thinking I kind of always think my industry is hospitality being a little bit rogue, like we're a whole group of people that 
often fall into it or end up doing it because we love it and then some people work out in it and keep doing it for a long time like myself and Simon and some people just kind of fall you know do it for uni for a bit and then keep doing it because they like cheap booze or they like the excitement of restaurants and they do other things and then they flitter off and become you know landscape architects or whatever it was that was their master plan um but I really have seen a lot of hospitality colleagues really think analytically about their business models and maybe this has given them the chance to do that. Um, I feel really grateful that I've had a lot of extra time to think analytically about my business model and, um, you know, it's something that we've been really focused on having a multi-site operation we've had to do. But seeing that other people are doing that now too, I, I worry for the people that, might not be able to reopen um, because they've realised, shit, it probably didn't make that much sense last year, so it's going to make even less sense this year. Um, mm. So what are your plans moving forward? My plans or our plans moving forward are to keep being adaptable and to um, ride by the seat of our pants. I just had a, a coffee with Simon um, in a cafe around the corner and we were just, you know, Simon's all up for just riding by the seat of his pants and just adapting as he needs to. I'm the thinker of the of our partnership, of our business partnership um, and personal partnership, I guess. But, um, <laughs> you know, our plans are just to see, um, you know, I'm the one that overthinks everything. He's just kind of like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, it's... We just really want to be open and just see people starting to come back and support that. So it's really we've um, we're fortunate in that we have our own production kitchen and we instead of each store making three of each sandwiches and selling one of each, we've been making them at our production kitchen and distributing them out with our drivers um, to each store each morning and same with the salads and things to keep um, things making sense because perishability. Um, all this kind of triple handling just didn't make any sense. So we've scaled the business down and now we're scaling it back up using different models that we've worked through. So delivering to ourselves and um, working out at what stage we can reopen certain parts of the business. So we have a grab-and-go concept that we call everyday, so ready-made sandwiches and salads that we lay it in really quickly because it's kind of things that you can just bring in early in the morning, pop in the fridge and people swoop past if they don't want to be around for too long or they don't have anywhere to sit anyway, grab it and go. We've reopened slowly some of our made-to-order menus but with things that are less perishable and better margins um, because we have to <laughs> because, yeah. So, yeah, we're just trying to scale back up slowly to keep it making financial sense so we're less vulnerable once we do have to take full whack of um, staffing costs in 1st of October again, which I'm assuming will be the case. You know, we spoke very early on when sort of everything just landed and everyone was a bit frantic and not really knowing which direction to go. Um, you know, that was a couple of months ago now. But has this experience changed you and the way you see the industry and, and just general life? Yeah, I feel um, I feel really protective of it being how it should be. Um, I think I don't want to be um, like, for example, we went to 
You know, the first family meal out, Simon and I and the two kids, we went to our local pub and just had parmanite, right? But it was so terrible because um, we were in like a room that was mostly empty and it was cold and I don't know if they just hadn't noticed it was cold because the staff were busy moving around and not enough people there to complain or whatever. It was cold and there was no ambience and there was virtually no music and they wanted us to order an app and the app wasn't working right and we just kind of like normally I'd be the first person to say oh guys this isn't kind of working can we fix this and I was just really um, protective of not wanting to be the whingy customer <laughs> um, so I'm I feel really protective of my industry that we put our best foot forward and that we you know look after our margins and look after ourselves and look after um, our people and I think maybe we haven't pulled together as a community in that way before so I think that's really exciting um I've actually lost the question that you asked me sorry <laughs> well what are some of the positives to come out of this for you oh positives for me um oh even though I thought it was crazy at the time I had a little bit more time with my son who's eight as he did learning from home and um and just learnt a little bit more about him. Um, Realised that my daughter's going to school next year and I keep thinking that she's a toddler but she's not. Um, you know, just having a bit of air to think about things a bit differently and thinking about um, the business in a different way. I think sometimes you're so busy being and doing that you don't get a chance to stop and contemplate your navel a little maybe sometimes for me that happens on holidays and holidays are usually you know might be laying on you know by a pool in Bali and thinking oh I should probably get around to rethinking that recipe but um, maybe the reality never happens but now this was the chance to do that you know I could have a chat to the team and say thinking about this does this make sense to you no we've just kind of always done it that way because we thought you wanted us to and I'm like well let's rethink it um, so that's maybe a really good thing and hopefully we'll have some more um, productivity perhaps in the future out of that well, the um, government in Victoria has announced that there's going to be um, more numbers and sort of a further push to open up society again. Do you think that'll be the, the moment that sort of you're anticipating where everyone sort of gets to back to sort of re re relative normality? No, I actually think I really find, because um, I used to live in Sydney, so I can kind of have, kind of have restaurants in Sydney in my brain a little bit as well, but... I really think in Melbourne we hibernate over winter. Um, so typically people would be going off to their lovely European holidays or going up to Bali and laying in the sun or you're hibernating. Um, I really think come spring in Melbourne it's going to be a cracker. I really hope it does. I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, there'll be less restrictions by then. People will be less tense. I'll have a, um, you know, a clear understanding of what all of the changes mean for them in a safety sense and a personal hygiene sense. And, you know, they would have caught up with their friends and stuff. I think come you know, September, October, November, I really think it's going to be exciting. I can't see anything happening that's going to be exciting. I think we'll kind of trickle as we are now for the next couple of months until everyone goes, oh, it's starting to feel warm again. I think it's going to be exciting and they'll start catching up with people and it'll feel more normal. Um, I even, I'm kind of, I'm going out for dinner this 
this uh, Friday night, but I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, it's so exciting. But I don't really want to feel that excited about it. I want to kind of feel like it's a, a normal thing to do, not a feeling anxious like, oh, you know, am I, you know, are they going to kick us out after 90 minutes? Should I check if they're going to do that? Do we have time to have dessert? Can we have a digestive, you know, can we have a boozy night and have two, digest- two digestives or, you know, what's going <laughs> to happen? I, you know, I'd maybe wait to hang out until, I think people will hang out until spring and it starts feeling warmer and there'll be a party, hopefully. <laughs> well, I hope there is a party and I hope that they come out of a hibernation a bit earlier than, um, perhaps they might uh, listen, Jackie. It's so great to catch up again, and thank you. No doubt we will catch up again in the future because um, certainly not out of the weeds yet. But really appreciate uh, you giving us your time again. Oh, thank you so much, Huck, and thanks, Rob. <laughs> really, um, it's really good to talk again. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's HOSPA community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.